while we're still asleep. Good morning, everyone. There we go. Uh, my name is Bryce, as Dan uh, introduced me earlier, uh, and it is, a, as every summer, we get to be able to be here with you here at Countryside, and it's a blessing for us to be able to, uh, to worship with you and to be able to tell you in person, thank you. Uh, you guys got to see a little glimpse of some of our students, uh, incredible, incredible student body we've had this year, I'll talk about them in a little bit. But uh, you help make this possible. Uh, you help make this ministry possible, and you are a part of it. Uh, whether you've been there or not, you are a part of it, and we just want to say thank you. Uh, if, as we get into our time for our sermon this morning, if you have your Bibles, kind of get ready to thumb through them, or if you have it on a, on a phone or something like that, shame on you. Just kidding. Uh, but get ready to, to scroll through some stuff, because we're going to be looking at several different passages this morning. But uh, before that, I had a story to tell you at the end of the age, when all the believers were standing in line waiting to get into heaven, Gabriel decided that it would probably be a little bit better to separate everyone out a little bit, make it a little bit faster to get into heaven, and he said, I want all the men to form two lines. One line will be for the men who were the true heads of their households. The other one will be for the men who were dominated by their wives. Gabriel continued, Now we need all the women to report over here to this other side to Mary and Martha, on the other side of the gate. And as the women and the men were exchanging and getting in their lines, the women left the men formed their lines. The line of men who were dominated by their wives seemed unending. Whereas the line with the men who were the true heads of their household had just one man standing in it. Gabriel said to the first line of men, you, you ought to be ashamed of yourselves. You were appointed to be the heads of the household and you have not fulfilled your purpose. Of all of you, there was only one man who obeyed Gabriel looked at the lone man and he said, how did you come to be in this line? And he kind of sheepishly looked around and looked over at the line of the women and he said, well, my, my wife knew that this line would be much shorter than that one, so she told me to stand over here. <laughs> None of us like to wait. None of us like to wait. I read a study recently that said that the average American will spend Anywhere between 20 minutes a day on a bus or train, 32 minutes whenever they go visit a doctor, 28 minutes in security lines whenever they travel, 21 minutes for a significant other to get ready to go out, 13 hours annually waiting on hold with customer service. 38 hours each year waiting in traffic, and if you're in a large, large city, could be more than 50 hours annually. Different numbers of different studies that I've read indicate that we'll spend on an average between two to five years of our lives waiting. We wait at the grocery store. We wait in lines at the amusement park for a two-minute ride. We wait at the driver's license office, traffic lights, government offices. We wait for the computer to start, we wait to find love, we wait to hear back, we wait for a return phone call, we wait for God. 
We wait for God to show up, to deliver. We wait for God to, you fill in the blank. We wait, and we wait, and we wait. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says, But for those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I don't know if it is for you as it is for me, but waiting is hard. There's no way around it, but maybe after today, your perception of waiting will change. Perhaps after this morning, your perception of waiting will be that it's a gift instead of a curse, an opportunity where we are given a chance to grow, to mature, and to be transformed, to show and to teach us where our focus truly needs to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this time that we can be together. God, as we open your word, as we look at it this morning, God, may you help us to learn, may you help us to grow. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word, and Lord, may you bless our time together. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Why do we have to wait? What does waiting do in my life, and what does it produce besides stress and frustration? As I mentioned, we're going to be looking this morning at three different areas, or three different reminders, if you will, of ways in which waiting can help and benefit you, and the way that God wants us to perceive it. So the first area that I want to look at this morning is that we have to remember to wait in faith. That when we come to a season of waiting, we need to remember to wait in faith. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. In Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41, it says, That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was. In the boat, there were also... Other boats with him, and a furious squall came up. The waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped, and Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we drown? He got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves, and he said, Quiet, be still. And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. In this passage, it's pretty interesting. Jesus and the disciples climb into a boat. They're very unaware of what is about to happen, and that's kind of like it is for us, isn't it? None of us know what tomorrow holds. None of us know what's going to happen in 10 or 15, 20 minutes. And as they climb into the boat, everything seems to be okay. Everything seems to be on schedule. Unaware of the challenges in front of them that this storm is going to confront them on the lake. These storms that 
come on uh, come upon them are actually pretty frequent. They're very well known. And they're incredibly, incredibly dangerous that even these disciples, these trained and experienced sailors, were fearful. What's so interesting about this passage is as the storm increased in intensity, as the storm got worse, you notice that the disciples tried to deal with the storm on their own merit. You see, they were fine with fighting the storm and dealing with it on their own. If you notice in the passage, everything seemed to be okay until the waves were swamping the boat. And at that point, when they realized, hey, I don't think we're going to get through this. I think we're going to die in this situation. Why doesn't one of us go and get Jesus? How often in our distress... Do we rely on our own merit until we feel it's out of our control? Instead of relying on God from the very beginning. In seasons of waiting, in seasons of waiting, it's often times that in our lives, two little creepy devils come into our minds and come into our hearts and they're called doubt and fear. Doubt and fear. Like here in the text, the disciples doubt Jesus. They doubt his ability. They doubt who he was. They doubted who he claimed to be. They were fearful for their well-being. And in their waking of Jesus, you can see that they're upset with him. Uh, Don't over-spiritualize it and don't try to also minimize what happens here. They don't go arouse Jesus from the boat, from his slumber, and go, hey, Jesus... Hey, I don't know if you paid attention, you know, you've probably been sleeping like a baby down here, and this is great, but we've kind of got a situation up here. No, when they wake Jesus, they're not happy. It's not going the way that they had hoped it would, and they actually ask Jesus the question, don't you care? Jesus, don't you care? Does it not bother you at all that we're about to die up here while you're down here sleeping? Don't you care? The question seems to communicate a tone of frustration with Jesus. Christopher Marshall actually said here, he said, The disciples do not interpret his untroubled sleep as evidence of his trust in God, which will also ensure their welfare. Instead, they regard it as a token of his indifference to their safety in their hour of danger. Seasons of waiting can be trials and difficulties in life as well, where doubt and fear can creep in. God, where are you? God, don't you care what's happening in my life? God, don't you see the storm? Don't you see the waves? Don't you see the problems that are going on? God, don't you care? God, I'm so confused right now, and I feel like you're so very far away. Kind of reminds me of a passage in John chapter 11. In John chapter 11, when Jesus' dearest of friends, Lazarus, is lying on his deathbed, he's about to die, and Mary and Martha are so concerned, and they send out word to get Jesus. Jesus has been there for so many people. He has healed, he has touched, 
He has done so many great things and he's done it so quickly for everyone else that surely, surely of all people, Jesus will come to the aid of a dear friend of his, right? Man, he did it for complete strangers. Surely he'll come for Lazarus. So they send out word and Jesus hears about it and Jesus waits. And he doesn't come. And Mary and Martha, can you, can you imagine what that would have been like for Mary and Martha? I'm sure you can. Every time Martha walks into the kitchen to wash some dishes, she can't help herself but to look out the window. Is Jesus coming yet? Surely he's around the corner. Surely he's going to show up in time. And day after day passes and Jesus is not there. Hospice comes in to take care of Lazarus because he's about to die. And yet they still go, well, Jesus is going to be here. He's going to be here. Surely he's going to show up in time. And they keep looking out the window. They keep checking their phone if any messages have come up. Jesus is not there. And then Lazarus dies. Jesus is not there. In chapter 11 of the book of John, verse 21, you can hear the pain, you can hear the frustration in Martha's voice when she says, Lord, if you had been here, ah, if you had been here, huh, but you weren't, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, it would all have been okay. In the seasons of waiting, your faith will be put to the test. The question this morning, do you trust him? One piece that the disciples missed from Mark chapter 4 was that even though the storm raged, even though they felt like they were barely hanging on, even though all hope seemed to be lost, they forgot one very important truth, and it is the only truth that matters in all the world. It is a truth that they forgot in the moment. And it's a truth that you and I can forget in our moments of waiting as well. And here it is. Jesus is still in the boat. You may feel like he's far. You may feel like he's distant. You may feel like he has closed his ears. You may feel like he has turned his eyes. You could feel like he's not listening, like he doesn't care, like he has distanced and removed himself from you. But even if he's asleep, while it feels like your life is unraveling in front of you, fear not. Because he's still in your boat. He's still in your boat. And he wants your faith to grow in your situation. David Garland wrote this of the disciples. He said, the disciples' faith must continue to grow and become tempered as hardened steel by life's hard circumstances. He wants your faith to grow. He wants your faith to grow. Remember to wait in faith. The second point this morning, the key to waiting is to remember to wait in prayer. Remember to wait in prayer. Oftentimes when we 
first are waiting for the Lord or we're waiting for something to happen, we're waiting for God to show up, oftentimes our prayers can be constant, can't they? When something is going on, we can pray, we pray, we pray, we pray because we expect something to happen pretty quickly. But over time, we can turn away from prayer because it may seem like he's too busy, like he doesn't care, and simply he's not answering my prayer. And so over time, our prayers can wane. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, Paul writes, Be joyful always. Pray continuously or constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. As Paul says here, in all circumstances, pray. Our communication with the Lord is to be ongoing every day, through every situation and through every season, whether we're waiting or we're not. Rick Warren once said this, he wrote, When you pray a prayer request over and over, it's not to remind God. He doesn't need to be reminded. It's to remind yourself who is the source of your answer and of all your needs. That if every time you prayed, you instantly got results, all you think about is the blessing. And God wants you to think about the blessing. What if God... What if God has you in a season of waiting, not just because the timing isn't right and he knows best? But what if the reason why you're in a season of waiting is his intentional way of teaching you? Pushing you. Leading you. To a deeper and more proper understanding of what his love and grace is all about. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we get an interesting story of a barren wife named Hannah who has been taunted year in and year out over and over and over every day by her husband's other wife because the other wife has so many children and she has been blessed with all these kids and all Hannah wants, all Hannah wants in this life is to have a son. And she has prayed and she has prayed and she has gone to God and she has waited and she has waited for so many years. Years. Yet when she finally has her heart right before the Lord, he responds and not only blesses her with a son, but he blesses her with a son who would be one of the most faithful prophets in all of Israel's history. If you're in a season of waiting, don't stop praying. Pray continuously, without ceasing. Continue in all times and remember that He is listening and that He is there and He does care. But also remember that He's possibly waiting for your heart to change before He answers. That he's not just waiting because he knows the best time, but he's waiting for something to change in you, to develop in you, for to mature in you. That you're not ready for it yet. And remember when you pray, that when he does answer, it oftentimes happens that he answers in ways greater than you ever prayed for from the beginning. Because that's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God we serve. So we wait in faith, 
We wait in prayer. And the last key is this, to remember to wait in perseverance. To wait in perseverance. Recently, there was a couple in their 90s who were both having a difficult time remembering things. And during a checkup about this with their doctor, he said, you're okay physically, everything is okay, but you might want to start writing things down because your memory is fading. Later that night, while watching some TV, the old man got up from his chair and he asked his wife, do you want anything while I'm in the kitchen? Would you give me a bowl of ice cream, she said. Sure. Don't you think you should write it down so you'll remember it, she asked. No. No, I, I can remember that. Well, I'd like some strawberries on top of it, too, then. Maybe you should write that down so you don't forget. I can remember that, he said. I, I can remember. You want a bowl of ice cream with strawberries. I'd also like some whipped cream. But I'm sure you're for, you'll forget that, so why don't you write that down so you don't forget? At this point... At this point, the husband is getting a little irritated. He said, I don't need to write it down. I can remember it. You want ice cream with strawberries and you want whipped cream. I've got it. Goodness gracious. He then toddled into the kitchen. After about 20 minutes, the old man returned from the kitchen. He handed his wife a plate of bacon and eggs. She took the plate. She stared at the plate. She looked at her husband. She just shook her head and she said, well, where's my toast? We all forget things, some of us more than others. When as believers we are in a season of waiting, Scripture tells us one way, to one way to persevere while we're in the wait. And you know what it is? It's to remember. Remember. Remember what He has done. Remember who He is. Remember what He has brought you through. And the kind of God that He is and the kind of God that we serve and where he is taking you. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32 to 39. Say, remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you stood your ground in great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had a better and lasting possession. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. For in just a little while, He who is coming will come back without delay, but my righteous ones will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but are those who believe and are saved. During the seasons of waiting, trials are about, and the trials are real, and the stress is real, and the doubt and the fear knock on your door, and the persecution presses you down. So what does the writer of Hebrews 
tell us, to encourage us, to encourage a church which has had to endure abuse, suffering, being kicked out of their homes and having their properties and belongings taken from them, only to wonder when are things going to get better? What does he tell them? What does he tell us? His answer is to remember your past experiences with the Lord. Remember, remember yesterday. Hang on and remember that because if he was the God of yesterday, he is the God of today and he is the God of tomorrow. Remember. What has God brought you through already? Each of us have a story. What has God brought you through already? How have you experienced blessing after blessing after blessing? Has he not brought you out of the pit of sin and clothed you with his grace? God loves to remind us of who we are and what he has done. At one point in the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32.7, Moses encourages the Israelites and he says to them, Remember the days of old. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget where you came from. Remember the God that we serve. Remember what he has done so that it helps you to persevere in the days ahead. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 to 15, Peter reminds God's people of the truth and salvation they possess, and he finds it fitting to, as he says, refresh your memory, to make sure that, as he says, you will always be able to remember these things. Because this is so important to encourage believers to persevere and remember who they are, what God has done, and as the writer of Hebrews explains, to remember and wait for what God is going to do, not only in our lives, but as he comes back to take us home. Remember, we'll help you persevere. It's been a healthy year at WISE. We have a great staff, great, great staff, best staff that I've been privileged to serve with in my eight years with the school. We have the most purposeful and healthy student body that I've experienced at the school. And knock on wood, in the last year, I've not had one major incident or problem with the students where they fight amongst each other. There's grumbling and complaining. They all got along so well. They, they, it, was, it was amazing. It was amazing. The healthiest school atmosphere that I've ever seen, and I would, I would testify, I would believe, I don't know, I can't test or speak to all the years in the past, but I would say probably the healthiest student body and staff that the school has ever had. God is good, isn't he? God is good. Yet we wait. We wait on a property that still has to be sold from St. Vincent where a buyer came forward and was in contract and then all of a sudden, unexpectedly, this year he backed out. So now it goes back on the market where it's been for near five years now and we wait. We wait for the government who has completed our program approval and yet we have waited for two years for them to make it official. As they say, they wait for a functioning board, we wait. And I'll confess to you this morning, as we pray, we, would, we'll, we wonder at times, God, are you listening? God, we pray about this, we fast about this. God, we have brought this before you so many times. 
Are you listening? And as the days turn into weeks and the weeks turn into months and the months turn into years, doubts and fears creep into your minds where we have questioned ourselves and we ask these questions, is this, is this thing going to fail? Did we do something wrong? The lesson God has been teaching us, which has been an encouragement to us, and I hope it will be an encouragement to you, is to wait in faith. To wait and continue to pray. And to persevere. Because He is and will always be in the boat. And my prayer for you today is that you'll be encouraged in your seasons of waiting. Because if I were to ask you the question to raise your hand if you're in a season of waiting, I would bet a lot of you would raise your hands. And I hope that this can encourage you in your seasons of waiting. Because whether you are in a season of waiting now, all of us know if you're not now, it will come. Charles Spurgeon once wrote this. If the Lord Jehovah makes us wait, let us do so with all our hearts. For blessed are they that wait for him. For he is worth waiting for. The waiting itself is beneficial to us. It tries faith, exercises patience, trains submission, and endears the blessing when it comes. Because the Lord's people have always been awaiting people. Let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to be together this morning. I thank you that, Lord, whether, whether we're on the mountaintop or we're in the valley, or we're somewhere in between, you are still God. And God, I pray that this morning, that Father, that as, as we live this life, each day that you give us is a blessing from you. God, as we wait, God, may we not listen to all the naysayers that are out there that say, because your God isn't real, because your God isn't there, because your God isn't listening. God, we know that we serve a loving and active and caring God. God, may we have a better understanding and perspective of what it means to wait and the blessing and benefit that it is. Lord, thank you for this time, and I pray that this will be an encouragement to your people. We thank you for your word and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.